Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in to another edition of the James Sports Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, I'm feeling pretty inspired tonight because the Georgia Bulldogs team that people said was going to go five and seven or six and six. People didn't know if they were going to go to a bowl game, just won the national title. And not only did they just win the national title, they scored points ever in a national title game. Not only that, the biggest margin of victory in any bowl game ever. I mean, Did they think they were TCU or something? Like, what was what they <laughs> what talking I, about? Either Kirby Smart is the best, like, motivator, uh, brainwasher in the country, and that in and of itself should get him a lifetime contract at Georgia, or they're just, like, talking about it. But there's absolutely no way that the Georgia <laughs> players, like, in their heart of hearts, like, no one believed in us. I, you were, like, the consensus number one, if I'm not mistaken, from – wire to wire right it was, just, it was so funny it was like people were like oh they lost a lot to the nfl you know maybe they'll go 10 and 2 not, nobody was like <laughs> they're not gonna have a winning record it was just so funny they're like nobody believed we could win any games also what? they schedule cupcakes like the entire season outside of the sec so like i sure as hell hope you're winning a lot of like i, so I love that. that was cracking me up yesterday i really enjoyed that Kirby Smart took a page out of Nick Saban's playbook, who took a page out of the Bill Belichick playbook, which is when your team is the GOAT, make them think they suck. Yeah, I want to see if Signetti can do that this year. I'm hopeful he can have him going in there like, people thought we were going to lose out. They thought we wouldn't get this waiver. We, we did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great, great foreshadowing to the waiver. I guess we have to talk about that later in the football section of the podcast if uh, JMU's going to get it. But first... We have some ad reads. That's pretty exciting. Three Notch, Harrisonburg Valley Collab House. Visit it. We love Three Notch. They're scattered across Virginia. Some of the best beer, I would say, across the Commonwealth. I love it. I'm looking forward to, to stopping in. Haven't been in a while. I know our friend Brian was trying to get me to go down, or both of us, to go. I guess you would go up for the JMU App State game. Glad we didn't agree to that trip. That would have been something. But uh, we'll have to get back there at some point and, and have some three notch. Well, it depends if the season gets back on the rails. Because if not, I don't know if I want to watch a sad excuse for a basketball team play a game in the AUBC. But also, um, Adam Markowitz let us know to let you guys know that the Fresh Beer Club with three notched is an awesome value and something if you are near a three notch that you should be signing up for. Two exclusive fresh beers, three pint cards for just $20 a month. That's two, I believe, six packs, two or two four packs of fresh beers. Comes right out of the pot or wherever they make the beer. And you're getting it fresh. Three pint cards. Not exactly sure what that means. But you can find out more if you go to threenotchedbrewing.com. And then Fridays, first tap Fridays. In the Valley Collab House only, Harrisonburg exclusive releases Every Friday from brewer Nick Branson. So first tap Fridays, Harrisonburg exclusives. And, of course, you mentioned it. They have 14 options on draft and an expansive selection of beer to go. So. Heck, yeah. That's exciting stuff. 
you know what else is exciting stuff? Golf season's back. I bet you Golf can bet on that Golf season is back. Did Morikawa blow a lead this weekend? He, I think, he went in the final round. I forget his exact lead, but he was up. He was up at like seven shots on John Rahm. On like a, it's like a resort course, so fairly easy. Ends up losing to Rahm. He was the only player in the forty-person field to bur. I mean, to bogey three holes in a row, and he did it on the back nine Sunday with a lead. So pretty tough scene for him there. And didn't he not have a bogey going into the final round? It was something like that. Yeah, he was playing out of his mind, but yeah, he like great. forgot great how to chip, which is tough for him. Uh, Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. Everything from NFL bowl season just ended to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. You want to bet on Swedish ping pong? They got you. We're the easiest and fastest way to bet on all of your favorite leagues and events, including golf. Head to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE. Remember, that's how you spell it, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. A 50% welcome bonus is something you do not want to miss out on. Bet online where the game starts. JMU had some major esports success recently. The Breeze wrote about it. Haven't had a chance to read it yet, but some interesting stuff. You know what wasn't an interesting stuff this weekend? Men's basketball team, are they broken? Are they broken or did they we just think they were fixed? I have so many thoughts about the men's basketball team. I guess we'll start on the sort of the small. You texted level. me and you said we got to keep this podcast quick. So if you have thoughts, we might have to ramble through these quickly, or we might be having ourselves a three-hour podcast. I don't have to, I don't have too many advanced thoughts, but okay. <laughs> so we we go into last podcast, right? We're talking about how at least I was. I was talking about how if they could win three of the next four, that's already gone. That they would have been positioned well for right winning the regular season title. We, I mean, one of the first two games on the road, including a road win at Marshall, we we're talking regular season title. And then they go home and they lose to Texas State by a point. Those were some of the biggest games of the season, though. Like the way this schedule is laid out, like mm-hmm. those two games meant a lot. They were in a good spot, right? They were in a really good spot to sort of take control of the Sun Belt early. And then you have Texas State with a one point loss. We're like, all right, could have went either way late and then they lay another egg against app state at home two days later i don't know what's sort of your your thought from those two losses after we were so high on them last week so i did the post-game reaction right afterwards and the texas state one i was not like sad about you know i wasn't i was sitting at the texas state and i rationalized that loss in my mind that okay I, i get it it's not the end of the world it's something you want but at the end of the day things didn't go your way it's a conference loss against a team in Texas State that I think is going to be a top four team in the Sun Belt. You look at what they lost after last season. They lost 90% of their scoring, 90% of their men. They lost a huge chunk of huge players from last season. So they're still trying to figure out what their lineup was coming into conference play. First couple games of conference play didn't go their way. And so you would expect Texas State to figure out how to start winning because they're not a bad team. They're not Texas State football. Texas State is a legit basketball program in the Sun Belt. Then App State loss. That was just a terrible loss for so many reasons. Uh, You could 
point to the turnovers coming at the absolute worst time. You could point to just their magnitude of turnovers, 16 on the game. Technically, they had a plus one in the turnover differential, so I'm not really chalking up turnovers as much as a problem. What scares me about this team is their shooting. At their peak, when they're hitting a lot of shots, this is a great team. But they don't know how to win when their shot isn't dropping. And I know that sounds counterintuitive. Like, how are you going to score? How are you going to win when your shots aren't dropping? They were 15 of 21 from inside three feet. They were 5 of 35 from outside of three feet. You were eating in the paint. Why didn't you continue to push down low? I just don't get, like, it seems like they're live by the three, die by the three, and there's no middle ground. Yeah, like, you look at, like, the Ken Palm numbers, right, and their three-point percentage is respectable, but it was, like, high end at the beginning of the season. It's taken a significant dip here here recently, I guess, with the conference. I mean, you look at them, like, in conference, their their offense has been one of the worst in in the entire conference so i mean like their three-point percentage in conference play is literally the worst in the sunbelt at 24.2 percent it's horrible that's horrible and they're also turning so they can't shoot the three and they're turning it over at over 20 percent of their possessions it's like uh, the same thing we've talked about where it's like hey it's a small ball lineup that has inconsistent three-point shooting and they don't even take care of the ball well and they don't have a big like it's a very confusing roster build it's the same. Well, and this team, so now I'm getting heated over this, and, and we might go a little bit off the rails, but they perform really well in the paint. They do. Like, for a small ball team, they shot 15 of 21 from inside three. They're the best free throw team in the Sun Belt as of right now in conference play. You are third in the conference in two-point percent. You you find success from inside of the arc. You had success from inside of the arc against App State. You had success from inside of the arc against Texas State. But you just jack threes for no reason or take long-range contested fadeaway jumpers for no reason. It's it's really <laughs> it's mind-boggling at times. And then it's right. You're, you mentioned that they what they're drawing fouls in conference on like fifty percent of their possessions or something absurd. But they're shooting like sixty seven percent, which is like toward the bottom half of the Sun Belt. Sorry, play. so thank they you get for to correcting the, that. Thank you for correcting that. I said that wrong, but yes, they're but they're getting to the line. They're making two point shots. It's just frustrating because like, oh, you could do that all game, but then they have other times where they dribble into the lane, bounce the ball off their foot, and it's like you just can't be that sloppy with the ball. And it's it's tough too because it's not like like oh a true freshman dribbled it off his foot it's like not i've watched that guy play for three years and i was like he's played a lot of college basketball and a lot of the players have to commit some of those like really stupid mistakes did you watch this beginning of the second half i didn't watch the half game okay so let me explain to you how the second half started you're down 15 not a good first half you got to come out firing on all cylinders in the second half right so App State gets the ball. They push down, looking good, but the defense is holding them. I think it goes out of bounds, a kicked ball, something where it resets the shot. App State ends up having the ball, like, continuous possession for a minute to start the half with zero points coming out of it. Good job, defense. They get the ball. 
turnover. Like, right away. You They crossed half court, and they turned it over. App State pushes back down. No points. JMU gets a turnover. They get the stop. They go back the other way. Right away, a turnover. They come back. There's no points scored again. They get the ball, push it back, and it gets obliterated at the hoop. They just block the poopy out of it. And then App State's, like, on a quick break, on a fast break, and they score. And, like, that right there was just kind of, you're sitting there, and you're like, you just held them scoreless for 90 seconds, 120 seconds. That was an opportunity to get five points back and cut it to 10 like that or something, you know? And instead, you got one shot out of it. That was a terrible shot. It's frustrating. I think the the big thing that I've said before and I kind of stand by is, like, it's not the end of the world that they've lost these two games. Like, they're still in the Sunbelt mix. What's frustrating is that Jamie fans have waited for years for the men's basketball program to be semi-relevant. And every time they, like, pull you in and they give you a taste and they're like, oh, you know, we're in a spot now where what are they? They're they're six and one and we have a chance to win this little, you know, early season tournament. All we got to do is beat a crappy Valpo team. No, and they can't do it, right? And then you're like, oh, okay, well, you were about to have this huge winter break going into Christmas where you could be 10 and two, ending the non-conference. All you got to do is win on the road at Coppin State. It's like, oh, they gave up 107 in double overtime. (laughs) And then it's like, you get the two conference wins. You're like, wow, you were in prime position to set yourself up for an NIT berth and a regular season title. And they're like, what if we laid two massive home eggs instead? And it's not their fault. It's not this team's fault. No one's mad. Like some people probably are, but at this specific team, it's more of like, you've been stringing JMU fans along for decades. And even just us for like five plus years or whatever, (laughs) where it's like, Oh, we got Matt Lewis. Who's like a borderline NBA player. We just went 10 and 21. Like, what are you, what are they doing? It's just one that's frustrating because, like, time after time, they draw you in. You're like, oh, this could be the year that they make something happen, win a conference title. And then they go out and they just have these inexplicable losses with a team that's way more talented than some of the results. And it it just adds up over time and becomes very frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's not fun. What, what was your takeaway from JMU fans saying it was they came out flat because the environment was flat? I get that a little bit, but at the same time, it's like, again, it's not like that specific team, but like as a program, like you can't say anything about the crowds when you just don't do anything for 30 years. You know, like win games, be re- yeah. beat Coppin State, go out and win some of these games where it's like, God, you know, if the fans were there and it was raucous, maybe we win. It's like, why don't you just win? Yeah. <laughs> just win the game. You had an opportunity. The atmospheres were dead, though. Yeah, they, they were, were ter- crappy. <laughs> they were terrible. Texas State, maybe maybe the atmosphere plays a difference. I don't think yeah. the atmosphere plays a difference against App. Like, it was, the final score was 71-62, but App held, like, a 19-point lead for 75% of the second half. So, like, that game wasn't close. Final score makes it look, oh, Maybe some late free throws and they pulled away. No, 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 no. Um, I also wrote a few other things post game to talk about on the pod, and you hit upon them. I wrote same old Dukes can't build upon <laughs> wins, but something that's a little worrisome. And you talked about missed opportunity to get the community to really buy in, but that kind of yeah. plays into stringing them along. Something that has worried me now 
that we've seen in almost every game, and it hasn't really bit them until these last two. They go on these really extreme lulls. They go on five-plus-minute scoring droughts multiple times in a game, which is quite amazing considering there's only 40 minutes in a game. I think you've got, I guess my quick explanation, you got three guys, which is Molson, Morse, and Friedel, who are taking the most of your shots, and those are kind of your go-to guys. And I, I wouldn't say any of them have been uh, efficient offensively this season from like a scoring perspective. So that that feels like, right, you're in a, in a rut, and it's like, all right, let's go to our guy. And like if your guy just puts his head down, drives a lane, and takes a contested jumper, it's like maybe that ends the drought. Or maybe that's like the whole reason you're you're in a drought. I still really like this team and think they have a bunch of potential and could, you know, turn the year around. I think the other thing that like some people are getting upset and they're like, oh, you know, there's there's no reason, Jamie, you should lose to these teams. Texas State and App State, pretty solid programs in terms of like the Sun Belt. So I think that's fair. And the other thing that I I guess the one main point that I'll get out is like if we looked at Jamie's resume, I said, let's say we were had a Texas State podcast. And we looked at JMU's resume and we looked through their Ken Palm. The number one word I would have, like when describing JMU, would be fraud. Like I would look at them and immediately do our bit where it's like they're a fraud. Because like <laughs> they didn't play anybody. Yeah. They haven't beaten anybody. Like you look at their wins, they're terrible. The best win is 82nd Ken Palm Marshall. Right. It's like they have the nice Marshall win. And then you look at some of the games like like LIU is one of the worst teams in college basketball. Hampton's one of the worst teams in college basketball. They have three non-D1s, right? So you take out those two horrible teams and the three non-D1s, and they're six and six. I know they played North Carolina and UVA, but it's like they're kind of inflated with some of the stuff. So yeah. if, if we were looking at it from a very unbiased view, we'd be like, oh, what a major fraud they are. So, And and like you said, the season they are frauds. Um, but <laughs> the season's by no means over. Like no. We said pre-Sunbelt and like kind of our breakdown. I think we even said it with Nick from mid-major madness. We're like the team that wins the Sunbelt will probably have four to five losses. Mm-hmm. Cause this is not a bad conference. If I'm not mistaken, they should be hovering around number 14 in the country. They're 15th in the country, right? Now of power ranking the conferences around who you'd expect them to be. And it's a roughly what the CAA has been, but this is a conference. It's going to, you're going to lose some games. You shouldn't, you're going to win some games. You shouldn't, but now you have a stretch to finish out January of South Alabama, Georgia Southern, Troy, Southern Miss, Coastal, and Louisiana Monroe. It, I'm not saying you have to, but you kind of got to go four and two in that stretch. I think so. I think so. To have if, if you have a legitimate like hope of ma- of winning the Sun Belt regular season. Yeah, you got to have a good stretch here coming up, and then nobody's like that intimidating in the Sun Belt. You just have to play more. You have to play consistently. consistently and that's yeah. not what JMU does. And I'm not totally down on them. Like I like some things they do. I like Byington. It's just, it is really feels like they pull you in. It's like, wow, this team could be it. This team could be special. But at the same time, like I do think their, their peak, like their ceiling is really good. I just assume they had a much higher floor. Yeah. Given some of the players they had, I figured it was like, all right, you can play UVA like that on the road. <laughs> right. Like, you should be able to take care of business at home against two, like, kind of probably middle of the pack Sun Belt teams. I think Texas State, you're right, is, is starting to play State. better. They're starting to play better. I could see them finishing in the top, at the very least, the top half. I think I'll also say this about four. App. 
watching that was the second game I've watched of app this season. Like they're a team that's going to jack the three. And so if they're hitting them, which they were like, you don't stand a chance. So I know I bring up Charlotte all the time and it's kind of a running joke, but when they played Charlotte, they hit their threes in the first half of the first half. So the mm-hmm. first quarter of the game and they got up 25 or something like that. And then for the rest of the game, they went ice cold and went like one of 20 from three. Charlotte came back and won. In this game, I think App State just was more consistent with their threes. And if App's hitting their threes, you, you kind of have a tall task ahead of you. They Plus, were also, they yeah. played a 2-3 zone, which they had never played all season. And that just threw JMU for a complete 180. They didn't know how to break up the zone. It's also like uh, like the defense did some okay things against App in terms of like the overall numbers. I think you'd like them to be a little better from two point, but it's like you can't go four of twenty six from three yourself, right, and get away with it. I like the defense. I think the defense mm-hmm. is really good, and the bad offensive play, specifically in the App State game, put the defense in positions where like you're hoping they miss a shot. You know, like if the offense. If, if the offense can hit their shots or hit more at a higher percentage and you can get set on your defense and get your full court sets going, this defense is the best in the conference by far. I think that's the thing where it's it's kind of frustrating, right? Because <laughs> sometimes it's very simple with basketball and it's like, oh, they didn't make their shots. But I think they were 21%, if my math is correct, 21% from three-point range over those two games. Like if you do that ever – it's like it's not gonna work, especially in league games. So it's yeah. one where if like they shoot their season average or anywhere near it, they're three and one or four and zero oh in league play. And even if they win those games, you know, by a couple points, we're not even talking about it like it's an issue. It's just so frustrating to have the home games, yeah. To have this prime opportunity to get to four and zero, oh, and then to just throw up a bunch of bricks <laughs> is like ah, <laughs> like why? Um. <laughs> You can, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's just it's just a heartbreaker for you because <laughs> yeah. it's I was I was so bought in after the Marshall win where I was like they didn't even have Morse and they're gonna get him back and start cruising through some of the play. I was like, what if they if they went out? What's the at large situation look like? And then they lose to Texas State, and it's like, oh, why? Why did you do this? Remember, remember when I texted you after the te- you and Dom after the Texas State game, and I was like, if you told us that we'd be two and one with a road win against Marshall without Morse. You would take that. And then you're like sitting at two and two and you're like, oh. Also, here's – I have two questions for you and then I have a take I want to hit you with and get your oh, yeah. your unfiltered reaction to. Two questions. First, I'm going to hit you with both of them. If they lost to Georgia State and Marshall and then won Texas State App State, would you have a different feeling on this team? And then secondly, if these two losses weren't back-to-back but they both were home losses – and like say this one, say the Texas State one was still January fifth, and the App State one was February eleventh. So the, say those were the. T- How does that impact it? You know what I mean? <laughs> Pretty good questions. For the the second one, the back to back hurts, especially because it's like recency bias, right? Like the most recent game they played were two <laughs> disappointing losses, so it's easy to be like, "Well, they're broken again. These are the Dukes we know, like losers." When it's like it's not really true. Like they they played really well in some of the games. I know that they have like a fraud schedule, but they beat the crap out of the fraud schedule, which is why they have like the efficient and numbers. The Buffalo win is like looking better because like Buffalo started po- yeah. Buffalo's one eighty two in Ken Palm and. They want it on the road at Buffalo. So that's looking better too as like season goes on. 
Yeah. So it's like a, a surface level glance is like fraud. And then you look at the scores and you're like, okay, well that's, those are something. So they have that going for them. Uh, the, the two in a row is obviously tough. I think I'm almost more positive that they won the first two than if they had flipped that, right? Like the win at Marshall makes me think, okay, like they can win the league. If they had gone out and lost those two and then won these two, I might be a little bit concerned about how they would match up with like a Marshall or something. I feel really positive about them. I'm disappointed in the showings because they had that opportunity to like kind of take control of the league. But I don't know. I still feel really uh, I still feel really positive about their season long outlook in the future under Byington. I love it. All right. What's put this your, hot take? Put your take glasses on, whatever it is. Whatever. I can't wait. Get your get your oven mitts out because this one's gonna be a little hot to the touch. Mark Byington is Matt Brady 2.0. I do like this spicy take. They're the same. Not that's not a bad thing, but it, it goes back to the analogy I made about the elevator a few podcasts ago. We want to be in the penthouse. Brady got us to the 75th floor. We're right back at like the 70th floor. <laughs> it's an interesting one because they're like 2016 numbers in terms of like defense was a little better. Obviously, they play differently where we're like crazy fast now and like the, the Matt Brady team didn't turn the ball over. An absurd amount, but they also didn't force turnovers. It was like the reverse. There's some similarities in terms of numbers, for sure. I think that's that's also kind of the frustrating part, especially for me, and I think some of the younger fans too, right? Where it's like they had Matt Brady, and they were like, Matt, we want to be an NCAA tournament team. You're not doing it for us. See ya. Well, what have you done since you since you got rid of him? Like, not been an NCAA tournament team. You got significantly worse for a stretch. You were one now, of the worst basketball teams in the country for a solid three-year stretch. And now you've grown to the level of being as good as you were in Matt Brady's season that you deemed not good enough. That's so annoying as a fan. Again, it's like nothing against this team, which fans are rooting for and think they can be great and have a lot of potential. God, it is infuriating to be like, yeah, the standard is the standard. You didn't meet it. And then six years later to be like, guys, you should be positive. We're right back at the level. And it only took us six years to regain the Matt Brady success. Like, oh, my God. So would you agree with me that he's Matt Brady 2.0 or do you think he's a better coach? I honestly don't know. I honestly okay. think I think Matt Brady's a good coach. I think he, he is. I think he was great. I, not great, but like they were what they were. Was he was, he's not a bad coach and he had a lot of success at Marist and he's like, he's a pretty decent coach. I think the thing with Byington that's, that's, I don't know about frustrating, but he started as a head coach in 2014, the 2014 season. Hey, I don't think he's ever taken a team to the tournament. I don't know if he's even gone to the NIT. I think he took Georgia Southern once. Did they go in? I don't think he took them. It's not like we have this information right at our fingertips. Let me look up Mark Byington Wikipedia because I feel like that's no, he big... didn't. No, he didn't. They they won the regular season in yeah. 2019. So he did. He did is that, okay, okay. So he, what he probably had an NIT in there. And his highest Ken Palm is 103. Yeah. Okay. So he has he has gone to uh, maybe that's that's an assistant. But anyway, he's he's done some decent. I mean, he's not a bad coach. Like, I don't think he's a bad coach. He was also at Georgia Southern, which the second right. he leaves becomes a bottom feeder son. Like that's not you, how do you recruit to Statesboro? He's a 
he's a solid coach. It's just Brady was also a solid coach. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see him take a step. It's just, I don't know. Is it too much to ask to go out and sign, I don't know, Rick Pitino? (laughs) (laughs) Go out and sign. Just go grab him. But it's the stuff that bothers me a little bit is like, I don't know. Well, obviously the roster management where they don't have a big guy, but whatever. It's the fact that like they play super fast and they have like maybe two glaring flaws. And it's like they turn the ball over, like the shooting's kind of inconsistent, but it's not horrible. They turn the ball over and then like defensively, they just, you look at like the efficiency stuff. They do not block any shots. It's like, oh, well, could you get a big shot blocker? And he's They're like, last in blocking shots. Yeah. Like, well then I, the stuff, it bothers me too, right? When they talk to the media, it's like, Sunbelt doesn't really play like that. It's like every time they play a Sunbelt team, there's a seven-footer. We'll get so into like, the seven-footer that they're going to be facing off this weekend, too. That's seems going like to maybe they do off. have some seven-footers. <laughs> <laughs> we were only a few games in, but I'm calling, calling BS early on that. There's no big guy's sake. <laughs> All right. So it's a time everyone's been waiting for. Three-notch preview. We're breaking down this upcoming weekend, South Alabama and Georgia Southern. South Alabama game is in South Alabama. The Georgia Southern game is back at the AUBC. South Alabama comes into this one seven and nine, one and three in some belt play. They were pegged as a third third place finisher in the preseason media poll. They are ranked 198 in Ken Palm, and they play at a slow tempo. They don't really have an efficient offense, but they have a slightly more efficient defense. But this is where it comes into a fun part. They have Isaiah Moore, Kevin Samuel, and Owen White. Owen White plays a lot of minutes, 86.6% of minutes. And then Isaiah Moore and Kevin Samuel. Kevin Samuel is a seven-foot kid who is wildly efficient near the rim and is going to pose a lot of problems for JMU. And the Georgia Southern game, it's... Brian Berg is in his third season. He took over for Mark Byington after Byington left. Uh, this will be an interesting kind of homecoming, but not a homecoming because it's in Harrisonburg. Uh, Ten and seven. They're three and one in Sunbelt play. First place in Sunbelt currently. They were pegged as the eleventh place team. I mean, they're two twelve in Kempom. They have a wildly inefficient offense, more inefficient than South Alabama. Defensively, they're much better. They're 155 in the nation in defensive efficiency. They play at a slow tempo. This is kind of what Texas State and App State were like last week. Not great offenses, really solid defenses, and JMU was handcuffed by both. Yeah, that's probably what I'm most interested to see, right, is they talked a lot to the media afterwards where it's like we couldn't control the tempo, they played slow, we ended up playing slow, and we're terrible in the half court. They are terrible in the half court. All right, well, can you can you control the tempo or can you be better in the half court? Because you're going to have to pick one of the two. Yeah. Maybe you can do a little bit of both. We'll see. But these games are huge because then you have a road games against Troy and Southern Miss, which if I'm not mistaken are at the top of the league right now at three and one along with a couple others and sort of are expected to not be frauds where Georgia Southern feels like more of a fraud. So it's, it's a spot where like, okay, you missed your chance to go take control of it. You got to at least get one this weekend of action to keep yourself kind of in the race. You, you they might need, need both if you, you want might need to, to. If, if you want to stay in the race, you need to. Go make it happen. Control the tempo or, or execute in the half court. Because if they drop both of these games, they're sta- staring at a six-game lot losing streak dead in the face. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. And and that's a scary thought. Because um, then all of a sudden the 20 win season is a question. <laughs> <laughs> Basically dead if they lose the next four. <laughs> uh, but you know whose 20 win season hopes are not dashed? And they probably will hit the 20 win mark before February. Women's basketball, man. I They're don't thriving. know if that's possible, actually. Let's see. They need nine wins. No, they need. They could. Nine. They could. They're, they're what are they? They're fourteen and two, and they have six games left in in January. All right, let's do it. So it's possible to get to twenty and two by the end of the month, which would be insane. And I think it's very possible because they just went on the road, took down Marshall 74-67, then went on the road, built up a massive lead against Southern Miss. They did blow it and ended up winning 63-54. They're, they're playing. I'm just very happy with this team. They're playing well. It's it's also wild to see Kozlova go from like barely able to score to like, oh, I can't miss a shot, and I have an array of post moves. <laughs> she scored 17 against Marshall, 18 against Southern Miss. Her last three games, 10 of 12 from the floor, 6 of 8, 7 of 7. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> she's been phenomenal. Kiki Jefferson hasn't even been that efficient recently, but she's still averaging 18 and 8. She's pretty well positioned to be player of the year, assuming they sort of stay atop the league. I don't know. I'm thrilled. I'm really excited about the way they're playing. 14 and 2. They seem like they're on their way to at the very least a WNIT berth. Like they're just they're doing things really well. The defense has gotten so much better from early in the season and they have offensive threats and it's, you know, I kind of assumed it would be the Kobe King Hawaii show. She's only played sort of a handful of minutes the last few games. Yeah, she played five minutes against Marshall, seven minutes against Southern Miss. Do you know of anything that is impacting that? She was in a boot a few games ago. Is she battling with injury, or, or has nothing come out about that? I don't entirely know specifically. I imagine maybe sort of easing her back in and, and not rushing it, especially since she hadn't played a lot before that, really. So there might be some, you know, she hasn't played more than, she's only played more than 10 minutes in one game this year. So they've, they've gone kind of slow with her, but she offensively, she has a ton of moves. I think she'll figure it out as the season goes on to have her, you know, as a bench option or whatever is pretty absurd. So I'm very excited about them. I might try to go watch them play Troy on the 21st. Oh, because we'll be there. You know, we'll be we'll be near the region. We'll be, for, yeah, we'll be around the area. Yeah. So I'll, I might swing back on my way up and see if I can watch them play Troy, because I think Troy is supposed to not suck. Is that correct? I may have to convince Eva on that as well. It's going to be a good pitch. <laughs> Do you want to go watch game? mid-major women's basketball with me? <laughs> and Bennett? <laughs> <laughs> and then she'll be like, no. <laughs> Troy 3-1 the league. That could be a good game. We're looking at a pretty good team in the league, and you've got the assistant coach that we stole from Troy, so there's a little bit of a rivalry. It's also hilarious how like this team – and I don't know what this goes to show, but this team looked rudderless. This team looked like not good last season and against Maine to start the season, which I'm always going to bring up the Maine. I'm going to find a way to mention Maine each podcast. But like, especially last season, they were getting like two assists a game and 15 turnovers. Like, they just looked not good last year. And like, there was not a lot of hope coming into this year. Is it that important to have players in their right role? Like Peyton McDaniel coming back into the lineup, 
and Kozlova figuring it out, like all of a sudden Claire Neff is playing two roles down and is excelling in her spot. Annalisha Goodman is an ass to play a lot of minutes. Steph Oderkirk, she's starting, but she's not necessarily asked to play 15 plus minutes and take more than five shots a game. Like, is it that important to just have your roles filled correctly? It's so cool to watch them play and like not seemingly play that well and pick up like meaningful conference road wins where it's like, oh, like this is what it's like when you're fully healthy. <laughs> I understand now. You can play defense and do things offensively. So it's, yeah, I think it is that important to have them in their roles. Cause we were talking that Maryland Eastern shore game where they were like down at halftime and even what, even they had that close Hampton game and we were like talking we're like, I, I don't know about this group, you know, <laughs> coach. I think they had really bad turnover, assisted turnover ratio too. And then you're like, here it comes. We know the story. The Hawks classic is going to get ugly. Yeah, we're like, oh god, that could be could be brutal there against a couple decent teams. And then apparently, I think O'Regan, according to this a DNR article, kind of laid into him after the Hampton game. <laughs> it was like, what are we doing? And the whole team was sort of hashing stuff out. And since then, they've won what is that six games in a row, all very impressively. I think the smallest margin of victory in there is seven points, and it's the road game at Marshall. Four of the wins are, are by double digits, another one's by nine. Like they've just really clicked and some of it is getting people healthy but the fact that they're playing defense well i'm just excited everything looks good i'm gonna look up her hoop stats before my subscription expires <laughs> and uh check them out because they're playing great right now i'm, I'm stoked about them four and oh in sunbelt next four in sunbelt are all at home app state georgia state georgia southern and troy so they not to get way too far ahead of myself but i'm gonna get way too far ahead of myself could be staring at 8-0 in conference play. And then the following four games, this is very interesting scheduling, all on the road at Coastal, at Georgia State, out at South Alabama, and at Georgia Southern. And then the rest of the season goes on into February, so won't necessarily go for forward. But of their next eight games, there's a strong possibility they win them all. Yeah, they're in a great spot right now. Her hoop stats, I apparently have lost my subscription, so that's ah. that's a bummer. But they're um, not paying the five hundred dollars a year to get her. <laughs> I think it's like it's like more than double what Ken Palm is, which is just absurd because it's like way less. Ken Palm's only like twenty dollars a year, which is great. It's like fifty oh, for it. her hoop stats. I can't pay fifty dollars for that. It's a year. I mean, well, on. if it was like the same interface, I would consider it to be honest yeah. with you. But it's it's not the same interface. It's but not anyway. a great interface. You can't compare easily either. Like. No. Well, yeah, I want to just see what the Sunbelt is like, and I also don't know what it means. You know, yeah, it's hard to find, like, what is that, what is your her hoop stats rating mean, where Ken Palm is like, this is what efficiency means. So, and it's set up, it's set up in a grid on Ken Palm, which is nice, and it has, like, a green, where it's like, they're doing well, you know. I guess they still have some of that in her hoop stats. But anyway, I'm stoked about this team. Stoked about both teams, if the men can get, can sort of flip a switch, make some threes. Is that all it's going to take just to hit their shots? Like, is it that simple? Few, it might be just making some threes because the defense has been good. And the, well, and the turnovers are disgusting. Yeah, but, like, do you mask the turnovers by hitting your threes? They could a little bit. I think the part that frustrates me is, is Ken Palm's got them, the men's side. Almost 10.5% of their possessions are, like, not just turnovers. They're steals. It's like live ball turnovers that they're like giving up fast breaks on. It's like, 
It's not even just, you know, dribbling it off your foot. To turn it over on 20% of your possessions. Oh, it went tough. down. It's <laughs> It was 22. Per- Wait, that was conference. In conference, conference play, they're turning it over 22% of play. So, so in conference 22% play, of their times they have the ball, they turn it over. Yeah, so it's like one-fifth to one-quarter of the times they're doing that. And then when they go down and shoot a three, they're making it, you know, one quarter of the times, one fifth of the time. And then on top of that, they're not rebounding offensively. So you're not getting second chance points. So really you're having, there was a point in the app state game where app state had 40 shots and JMU had like 22. And the announcers were like, how does that happen? Yeah. It's bad. Can't turn the ball over or at least offensive rebound. But you know, they've constructed a lineup that can't do that because the Sunbelt doesn't do that. I've been told. In, except that they're playing a seven foot wildly efficient seven footer. We're still winning from, the belt though. We're still going to win the conference tournament. If Jamie's able to shut down the seven footer from South Alabama, I'll be vastly impressed. <laughs> this is the Jamie basketball fan, where it's like, if they can do this one thing, I'm all the way back in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the smallest thing. Also, real quick, before we get to football to end it out, I just want to shout out Alonzo Sule. Homie's got some butterfingers for hands, but when he actually gets the ball, he's one of the most efficient players on the team and in the nation. And then Amadi's shooting 70% from two. Like it's like This is what I'm just... saying. Get the ball inside. Get it inside. Stop with the threes. Get it inside. Play inside out. Get into the paint. Get inside three and put up your shot. That's it. It's that simple. Huh. And don't turn it over. Thank Man, you. There's... Well, I mean, that's not important. Just get it inside. <laughs> I wish we could coach for a game. <laughs> Just scream it. Stop turning it over. Make your shots. What are you coach, what do you inside? want us to do? Entry pass. Entry pass. Entry pass. And kick out. Kick out. Kick out. And make it. And stop turning it over, boys. It will be fine. <laughs> Why isn't buying to just say that? God. Well, football. So the football thing. side of things, real quick. Uh, no <laughs> transfers have through last week. What's that? No transfers have come through in the last week. No, they just got two. They just got two. They did. Yeah, they, they just got two. They got um this big tight end from Pitt. Another tight end. Another tight end. So they're loaded at tight end. They got Horton. They got um, Taylor Thompson. Taylor Thompson. Now they got this this right, right from uh, Pitt, six three two sixty five, athletic. Sounds a like Drew Painter Painter type. He's a big guy. And then they added they, who else did they add? They added somebody else. I don't know. Let me look it up. Um, while you're looking that up, I want you to also think because I know it's oh. really easy to look. Okay, hit me. It was it's Emmanuel Bush. He's a defensive tackle from Marshall. Six one two ninety. Had a sack and a half against the Dukes last year. That's also a weird one. You you flipped a kid, essentially flipped him. In kind of an belt. interesting one. Sounds like it'll help though in the trenches. They, I think the defense will be really good. Apparently, Uku's coming back. Not confirmed, but. People have talked, and they're like, they haven't been that active on the edge in the portal. Which ESPN had a little thing where they put JMU in the way too early top 25, and they had nine projected defensive starters coming back, and they said that Edwards and Swan were leaving. Makes it seem like he could. I know uh, Noah on one of the DNR podcasts had floated that 
he has a year of eligibility, I guess, which I didn't even realize. And he hasn't announced anything officially. Yeah. But, you know, kind of sounds like he might be coming back. I'm sure somebody at the Breeze could figure it out. Wouldn't he have to be in classes in like a week? (laughs) Great point. (laughs) Great point. Um, I don't know. Maybe he was going to go through the, the summer anyway, so you wouldn't know. And last question for you. Oh, yeah. Likelihood that they get this waiver. I don't, it seems like they're going to. I don't know. They talk about it confidently. It'd be a huge bummer if they can't go to a bowl or win yeah. the assembled again. Because I'm starting to get all in on the football team. They feel like they could be loaded. Am I too aggressive in saying that JMU is the best team in Virginia? I think they are. Like, even like, if, I like, don't think it's close either. I think there could be a pretty significant gap. I know Tech's done some decent stuff in the portal, but like if they return like that entire defense for JMU and they can get like any level of improvement in the secondary, that's what you would be... assume because they're all freshmen and sophomore. Like you'd assume there is growth. So you're looking at like the best secondary in the group of five. I mean, honestly, not the, the best country. secondary, best defense. In the maybe even in like if you look at all the football from across the world, it might be the best secondary. <laughs> <laughs> they're just the defense can be so efficient next year and then if like they find some stuff offensively offensive line comes back i love what they've added in the portal of receiver and running back quarterback i think they're going to be okay if not great shocking to me that there has been no one entering the portal of note yeah maybe somebody paid up maybe we got a bag man maybe no not that's not i meant billy atkins I'm, I am surprised they haven't had, yeah, with two quarterback transfers that Barnett and, and Atkins haven't announced anything yet. If they stay, that's incredible for the depth that quarterback. You've got a guy who started games last year, could be your third or fourth string or second. It depends a on big who time quarterback also just entered the transfer portal. Who's that? Sam Hard, H U A R D, five star from Washington. Behind he'll probably. Michael- He'll, he'll come here. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I mean, come on. <laughs> I wouldn't mind us adding, you know, three or four five-star quarterbacks and just sitting them behind each other, benching them a little bit and being like, yeah, hey. the Alabama model, the Georgia model, you know how it is. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, if the men's team is two and four, when we're here next week, emergency podcast, we'll just call it an emergency podcast. We'll be on the lookout for our post-game breakdowns. I don't know if Bennett's going to have the time this weekend. It's all you. You're our post-game boy. (laughs) It's fun, though, because I'll have, like, a beverage or two watching the game, so I'm feeling a little good afterwards, and I have to kind of watch myself so I don't say something completely out of pocket on those post-gamers. But So check those out there. They they jump up live on our Twitter an hour or so after the game and just breaking down what what I saw and kind of the initial – heat at the moment um, hopefully we have some winning one coming up jmu will face off against south alabama thursday out south at south alabama and they'll play on january 14th back at home against georgia southern and then on the women's side they'll play app state georgia state thursday saturday both at home tip 7 p.m and 4 p.m respectively for bennett conlin let's hope the men's team isn't two and four the next time we're recording and let's hope the women's team is six and oh next time we're recording you all have a wonderful rest of your day see you
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.